Chapter Seventeen of Nobody's Man by E. Phillips Oppenheim. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Berard. Chapter Seventeen. Talent reached the manor about an hour and a half later, mud splashed, wet, and weary. Robert followed him into the study and mixed him a whiskey and soda. You've walked all the way back, sir, he remarked with a note of protest in his tone they offered me a car talent admitted i didn't want it i came down for fresh air and exercise two very good things in their way sir but easily overdone was the mild rejoinder these hills are terrible unless you're at them all the time talent drank his whiskey and soda almost greedily and felt the benefits of it although he was still weary he had walked for five miles in the company of ghosts and their faces had gone gray perhaps too it was the passing of his youth which brought this tiredness to his limbs robert he confessed abruptly i was a fool to come down here at all it's dreary at this time of the year unless you've time to shoot or hunt sir why not motor to bath to-morrow i could wire for rooms and i could drive you up to london the next day motoring's a good way of getting the air sir and you won't overtire yourself i'll think of it in the morning his master promised my wife has found the silver sir robert announced as he turned to leave the room and i managed to get a little fish that with some soup a pheasant and a fruit tart we thought i shall be alone robert talent interrupted there is no one coming for dinner the man's disappointment was barely concealed. He sighed as he took up the tray. Very good, sir. Your clothes are all out. I'll turn on the hot water in the bathroom. Talent threw off his rain and mud-soaked clothes, bathed, changed, and descended to the dining room, just as the gong sounded. Robert was in the act of moving the additional place from the little round dining table, which he had drawn up closer to the wood fire, but his master stopped him you can let those things be he directed take away the champagne though i shan't want that robert bowed in silent appreciation of his master's humour and began ladling out soup at the sideboard talent's lips were curled a little partly in self-contempt with perhaps just a dash of self-pity it had come to this then that he must dine with fancies rather than alone that his tardily developed streak of sentimentality must be ministered to or would drag him into the depths of dejection he began to understand the psychology of its late appearance stella's artificial companionship had kept his thoughts imprisoned fettered with the meshes of an instinctive fidelity and had driven him sedulously to the solace of work and books now that it was removed and he was to all practical purposes a free man they took their own course his life had suddenly become a natural one and all that was human in him responded to the possibilities of his solitude he had had as yet no time to experience the relief to appreciate his liberty before he was face to face with this new loneliness to-night he thought as he looked at the empty place and remembered his wistful almost diffident invitation the solitude was almost in unendurable if she had only understood how much meant surely she would have made some effort would not have been content with that half-embarrassed half-doubtful shake of the head 
in the darkened room with the throb of the sea and the crackling of the logs in his ears only robert's silent form for company he felt a sudden craving for things of his youth for another side of life the restaurants the bright eyes of women the whispered words of pleasant sentiment the perfume shaken into the atmosphere they created the low music in the background i beg your pardon sir robert said in his ear your soup gertrude has taken such pains with the dinner sir he added diffidently if i might take the liberty of suggesting it it would be as well if you could eat something tallente took up his spoon then they both started they both turned to the window a light had flashed into the room a low purring sound came from outside a car sir robert exclaimed his face full of pleasurable anticipation if you'll excuse me i'll answer the door might it be the lady after all sir he hurried out tallente rose slowly to his feet he was listening intently the thing wasn't possible he told himself it wasn't possible then he heard a voice in the hall robert threw the door open and announced in a tone of triumph lady jane partington sir she came towards him smiling self-possessed but a little interrogative he had a lightning-like impression of her beautiful shoulders rising from her plain black gown her delightfully easy walk the slimness and comeliness and stateliness of her i know that i ought to be ashamed of myself for coming after i told you i couldn't she said it will serve me right if you've eaten all the dinner but i do hope you haven't i had only just sat down he told her as he and robert held her chair and i think that this is the kindest action you ever performed in your life robert his face glowing with satisfaction had become ubiquitous she had scarcely subsided into her chair before he was offering her a cocktail on a silver tray serving talent with his forgotten glass at the sideboard ladling out soup out of the room and in again bringing back the rejected bottle of champagne you will never believe that i am a sane person again she laughed after you had gone and all those foolish children had departed i felt it was quite impossible to sit down and dine alone i wanted so much to come and i realized how ridiculous it was of me not to have accepted at once at the last moment i couldn't bear it any longer so i rushed into the first gown i could find ordered out my little coupe and here i am the most welcome guest who ever came to a lonely man he assured her a moment ago robert was complaining because i was sending my soup away now i shall show him what devon air can do the champagne was excellent and the dinner over which gertrude had taken so much care was after all thoroughly appreciated talent suddenly and unexpectedly light-hearted felt a keen desire to entertain his welcome guest and remembered his former successes as a raconteur they pushed politics and all personal matters far away he dug up reminiscences of his days in foreign capitals when he had first entered the diplomatic service betrayed his intimate knowledge of the florence which they both loved of paris where she had studied and which he had seen under so many aspects paris the home of beauty and fashion before the war torn with anguish and horror during its earlier stages grim steadfast and sombre 
in the days of verdun wildly madly exultant when wreathed and decorated with victory there were so many things to talk about for two people of agile brains come together late in life they had moved into the study and lady jane was seated in his favourite easy-chair sipping her coffee and some wonderful green chartreuse before a single personal note had crept into the flow of their conversation it can't be that i am in devonshire she said i never realised how much like a succession of pictures conversation can be you seem to remind me so much of things which i have kept locked away just because i have had no one to share them with you are in devonshire all right he answered smiling you will realize it when you turn out of my avenue and face the hills you see you've dropped down from the fairyland of up over to the nesting place of the owls and the gulls nine hundred feet she murmured thank heavens for my forty horsepower engine i want to see the sea break against your rocks she went on as she took the cigarette which he passed her there used to be a little path through your plantation to a place where you look sheer down don't you remember you took me there the first time i came to see you in august and i have never forgotten it he rang the bell for her coat that the night though windy and dark was warm stars shone out from unexpected places pencil-like streaks of inky black clouds stretched menacingly across the sky the wind came down from the moors above with a dull boom which seemed echoed by the waves beating against the giant rocks the heads of the bare trees among which they passed were bent this way and that and the few remaining leaves rustled in vain resistance or yielding to the irresistible gusts sailed for a moment towards the skies to be dashed down into the ever-growing carpet the path was narrow and they walked in single file but at the bend he drew level with her walking on the seaward side and guiding her with his fingers upon her arm presently they reached the little circular space where rustic seats had been placed and leaned over a grey stone wall there was nothing of the midsummer charm about the scene to-night sheer below them the sea driven by tide and wind rushed upon the huge masses of rock or beat direct upon the cave-indented cliffs the spray leapt high into the air to be caught up by the wind in whirlpools little ghostly flecks luminous one moment and gone for ever the next far away across the pitchy waters they could see at regular intervals a line of white where the breakers came rushing in here and there the agitated lights of passing steamers opposite the twin flares on the welsh coast at every sixty seconds the swinging white illumination from the linmouth lighthouse shining up from behind the headland jane slipped one hand through his arm and stood there breathless rapturously watchful this is wonderful she murmured it is the one thing we have always lacked at woolhanger we get the booming of the wind wonderful it is too like the hollow thunder of guns or the quick passing of an underground army but we miss this i feel somehow as though i knew now why it tears past us uprooting the very trees that stand in its way it rushes to the sea what a meeting her hand tightened upon his arm as a great wave broke 
erect upon the cliff below and a torrent of wind rushing through the trees and downwards caught the spray and scattered it around them and high over their heads humans he whispered are taught our lesson do we need it she asked with sudden fierceness do you believe that because some mysterious power imposes restraint upon us the passion isn't there all the while she was suddenly in his arms the warm wind shrieking about them the darkness thick and soft as a mantle only he saw the anguished happiness in her eyes as they closed beneath his kisses one moment out of life she faltered one moment another great wave shook the ground beneath them but she had drawn away she struggled for breath then once more her hand was thrust through his arm he knew so well that his hour was over and he submitted back please she whispered back through the plantation quietly an almost supernatural instinct divined and acceded to her desire for silence so they walked slowly back towards the long low house whose faint lights flickered through the trees she leaned a little upon him the hand which she had passed through his arm was clasped in his only the wind spoke when at last they were on the terrace she drew a long breath dear friend she said softly see how i trust you i leave in your keeping the most precious few minutes of my life this is to be the end then he faltered it is not we who have decided that she answered it is just what must be you go to a very difficult life a very splendid one i have my smaller task don't unfit it don't unfit me for it we will each do our best her servant was waiting by the car his figure loomed up through the darkness you will come into the house for a few minutes he begged hoarsely she shook her head why our farewells have been spoken i leave you so the man had disappeared behind the bonnet of the car she grasped his hand with both of hers and brushed it lightly with her lips then she glided away a moment later he was listening to her polite speeches as she leaned out of the coupe my dinner was too wonderful she said do make my compliments to that dear robert and his wife good luck to you and don't rob us poor landowners of every penny we possess in life the car was gone in the midst of his vague little response he watched the lights go flashing up the hillside crawling around the hairpin corners up until it seemed that they had reached the black clouds and were climbing into the heavens then he turned back into the house the world was still a place for dreams End of chapter 17